The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of December. I Rebel, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Christopher Valenz, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, Tristan Pantorato, and Wilshire. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. fine at first you know you got like, sure you get like the odd grinch you know you got rudolph but like i was i was driving on on my, on my way to your condo today and there's just a, a t-rex holding a present <laughs> what is that <laughs> well t-rexes are the symbol of christmas neil there's just some things i'm like what does this have to do with literally anything <laughs> i mean i'm okay with and you know what okay this is my opinion i'm okay with inflatable uh christmas decorations really at any time but i'm more okay with them in june (laughs) i'm more okay with them when like everyone agrees to do them so there's a there's a street near uh near me um in toronto and they do a big inflatable christmas every year where like every single person on the street gets an inflatable santa santa or snowman or but it is mostly the santa yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that i like when everyone's on board everyone's on board with it right Except the one house. <laughs> <laughs> they abstain from Christmas. They abstain, yeah. yeah. I was talking to my girlfriend about that. Just like, do you think we'll ever get an inflatable anything for a holiday? And she's like, no, because of the constant humming, which... Oh, that's know, true. Makes yeah, sense. yeah. I, I like when people try and double up and get sneaky and put their Halloween inflatable out at Christmas. Like, it's a Jack Skellington. It's for Halloween. Oh, put it back in. <laughs> that's nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like the lights. I just, I'm a classic guy. I just want some yep. lights. But there's, there's a lot of those inflatables out there, man. We also had a windy day yesterday. I think that that would just get taken off if you had one set up. <laughs> gone. I just imagine, like, a flight path. like, Wizard of Oz, you know, when they're in the tornado <laughs> and then they're just... Uh, they're just a massive Santa. Yeah, Snoopy, <laughs> a Baby Yoda. Just <laughs> I feel like from from uh, from Wizard of Oz, probably though. Neil, uh, I have a question for you though. Uh, what what kind of fridge do you prefer? Mm. Do you prefer a, a, a top freezer or bottom freezer fridge? What about the sides? A side freezer. That's a third option. That is a third option. It's I th- I'd say that's rarer. That's what my parents have. My parents have a side. Freezer. They have a side freezer. Terrible. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> okay. So uh, it so that's to top, it needs to be top or bottom. <laughs> I'm a tall person, so top for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I so I brought this up because I thought I was uh, I like the bottom freezer because you kind of just throw your stuff down there. You you're not, forget about it forever, and you're not accessing the freezer that often. Mm, okay. You would rather have kind of you know the fridge at eye level when you can. Okay, uh, I get that. Yeah, because yeah. you're accessing the fridge a lot more than the freezer. I suppose so, yeah. But then I thought the other day, I was like, well, currently my fridge is a top freezer. Okay. And I'm like, I like that. Mm. So am I just a hypocrite? Do I like well, both? You, Do you've, I... <laughs> now lived, you've now lived in both situations. So now you have you have a, a less or a more bias. Is that more bias or less bias? Less bias. Less bias opinion. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you've had a good sample size. You've tried both lifestyles. And yeah. now you've come to the opinion that I'm right and you like the top freezer. I think the top... Well, yeah, I think the top freezer is not bad because 
I still don't have to bend down too much to get the, the fridge. <laughs> and you're right, like the I don't stuff doesn't get lost right. in this freezer. Yeah, where stuff would constantly get lost at home in my mm. freezer, yeah. uh, like at my parents' house, yeah, yeah. all the time. The side-to-side freezer is terrible because even though you have probably the same area of fridge and freezer, you feel like you have less. No, why Why would anyone make a fridge with a side freezer? I don't know. Anyone out there, uh, listeners out there who have a side freezer, I'm sorry for you. Sorry, mm-hmm. mom and dad. Maybe, maybe you like that. And if you do like it, please write it and tell us why. It's oh, actually good. Oh, no, they hate it. They hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just objectively bad. Yeah, I don't, I've never met anybody that likes it. When we were growing up, you'll recall, we had the fridge in the kitchen, a freezer in the basement, and a second fridge in the garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which was mainly just to house iced tea and freezies. But as as the garage fridge is. Yeah, oh, that was perfect. And summer day, we'd play some basketball, some street hockey, and yeah. have, have a freezy <laughs> pop, you know? I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was good. I also have another question before our, our, our two Patreon topics today, by the way. Getting so popular over there. Getting popular. It's going to be a big intro here. I know <laughs> we're going to go through this because obviously Lord of the Rings is coming up here. God. But uh, but Neil, uh, do you say I'm going to come down to see you or I'm going to come up to see you? Like when you're going to, to visit someone in another city. Okay. Uh, let me think about that. Because a lot of the times we're going east to west and I always say I know. we're coming over. Oh, you're say, you say we're coming over. If it's east to west, yes. If we're going up to my aunt and uncle's cottage, which is north of us, we, we say we're coming up to the cottage. I never say I'm coming down to see you because I don't know anybody that's ever lived south of me <laughs> because we're right on Lake Ontario. Well, now, if, if I'm in my condo and you're downstairs, I'm coming down <laughs> to see you. Um, but I've never said I'm com- we're going to come down. We're going to come down for Christmas this year. I've never said that. Okay, so you're, we're going to come up. We're going to come over for Christmas. I'm, coming, oh, I'm going over to my parents' house for Christmas this year because they are west of me. Another third option here. You yeah. brought me the, the side freezer, now the coming over. I think we talked about this when we talked earlier in the year about going to a cottage. How you said, like, oh, we're going up to the cottage. Going up to the you cottage. Said we're going down to the cottage. No, I'm, uh, folks who live in the U.S. definitely go down to the cottage. Yeah. But we can't go down to the cottage. To go. There's no down for us. We're at the down. That's right. We, yeah, we're <laughs> as far down as we want to go for a cottage. We could go to the States, I suppose. What do you say? I... I well, I was trying to think that because I think it depends on the situation. Okay. And I, I used to think that I had like an actual template of what I say. Like if I'm <laughs> if I'm going to London, I say I'm going down to London. And really? if and if I'm coming back to to, to Toronto, I say I'm I'm going I'm I'm coming back up. I'm coming up to. But then I, I realize that I I switch it. Mm. Sometimes I say I'm oh I'm coming up to London this weekend. Yeah. And I think where I landed was that coming up is usually when you're going somewhere else that's not your home where yeah. coming down is like i'm coming back yeah yeah i can see that like going up for something good coming down to go back to normal i'm trying to think what i say when i go to london what do i say i haven't been to london in a while. <laughs> i know that we're going to london next year i think i say we're going over to london i think that's what i say you're um, not helping this we'll have to put a poll out we'll put a poll out what we'll do is we're gonna wait for this to come up naturally in a conversation in one of our future episodes and then we'll tag it and we'll be able to find out what i say when i'm not thinking about it there we it's go not on my brain <laughs> mike we have a topic from patreon here today ladies and gentlemen if you want to support the show on patreon you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash the gamekeepers cool we have our one dollar and five dollar a month tier the five dollar uh, or above a month gets your name read in the credits in the show and you get the option to submit an opening topic like freezers or coming down to places uh <laughs> Irabelle supports us today and mike Irabelle wants to know or wants to say december reminds me of lord of the rings as i would imagine it does for both of you too so you both are transported to middle earth and have your choice of becoming a part of the fellowship of the ring and you have your mind wiped as to what is to come so we don't know how this story is going to end who would you be and why and we can't pick the same person. So I think that we're becoming someone from the Lord of the Rings trilogy here. We're not like ourselves. It sounds like that we're being 
our mind well, is being put into a Lord of the Rings character. Well, we're coming, well, I think, well, how I understood it is that we're, we're becoming part of the Fellowship. We're going to be a, an, a character, we're going to take their minds. Yes. Of a, one of the people from the fellowship. So for me, mm-hmm. I picked Legolas. Okay. Because Legolas is pretty badass. Yeah, Legolas is awesome. Uh, I, I'm a big bow and arrow guy. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I like I like I like that style of combat. I'm not a sword guy. Mm-hmm. I think I would just get wrecked. Yeah. You know, if I, I if, think the people feel in Lord of the Rings that are in the front line. <laughs> Anytime the war just like collides, like they're dead uh, first. <laughs> so yeah, because like Legolas, he's more of a sniper. Yeah. Than anything, that. right? So yeah. he kind of just like lurks in the shadows and. Pew, just picks people off. Yeah. And I could do that. It's like sniping in Nightfire. He's also never in any mortal danger in those movies. And almost. he's... Correct me if I'm wrong. Is he immortal? Are, are no. elves immortal? No, no. no. They, they just live in, a long time. Yeah, they live a long time. Yeah. And they, they died. They, they died in like the two towers. And that That's fight. true. Yeah, good a point. A lot of them died. Yes, a lot of them died. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good choice. So you'd be Legolas. I like Legolas too. I had a poster of Legolas in my room. Yeah, yeah. Movie, I, you know? I would straight up be one of the hobbits. Probably Sam or Mary or... I'd say Mary or Pippin actually. I would definitely be a hobbit. So it'd be Mary and Pippin, so just don't do anything, don't contribute. Dude, I don't, I don't think they contribute. They, they, do, they do come into their own towards the end. I know, they, they do. They, they become do. warriors in their own right, but they, I would definitely be a hobbit because, dude, I, I just want to chill. I want I want no one to bother me. I want to live in a cabin. I want to eat five breakfasts a day, <laughs> drink tea, uh, get into smoking big pipes. Yes, yeah. You know, I don't smoke anything as it is. I would definitely be a hobbit, but I, I, I can be brave when I need to be, I think. It's true, and hobbits are brave when they need to be. You know, they got like the they got the chill lifestyle. But when 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 danger comes, yeah. they they're usually ready for it. I'd be one of the hobbits that's ready to go on an adventure. Yeah, I wouldn't be like the ones that are like, oh no, I just want to grow some carrots. I would I would definitely like go along with the elves. You're Bilbo after your dream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, that, that's a tough one though because like I don't want to live in Middle Earth. <laughs> you want to live? <laughs> where, where, do you, where do you want to live? Well, like, I want to live in this Earth, really. But, like, in terms of, like, a fantasy world, like, Middle Earth looks like it's horrible. Yeah, that's why That's why everyone's leaving. When you start mm. the, in the... In the Fellowship, they, they make some references to it. They talk a lot about it in the book, but... Do they have, like, a Florida of Middle Earth? Well, yeah, they, they go to... Well, clearly, I haven't researched enough to, for this episode, which I did. But, uh, no, there's the, there's the place to the west... Where they all go, and that's where they go to the end of the movies too. That's sure. where um, it's like it's where all the elves go. It's where they like, wake up in the bed and they have like a little pillow fight. Yeah, there. it's like the Florida of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Of, no, 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 not the bed. No, this is like at the end. This is when oh. when Frodo and and Gandalf and and Bilbo yeah. are all going off to the the land to the west. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I I would definitely want to live somewhere around there. The Shire does look nice, but I think even the Shire is open to being attacked. It's just like I'm rewatching The Witcher right now too because we're getting Witcher season two in a, in a week. Yeah, and uh, just everybody in these these fantasy worlds with everything everything looks cold and wet and hung. Everyone looks hungry and Everyone's miserable. Hungry. They all look like they want to be dead. Yeah, I mean, you probably would too, to be honest. Val- Valinor or uh, Amon, which is like the, the continent, but Valinor is where they're going. Valinor. So, yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. that's like that's the the promised land, I guess. Okay, I think you would be a good Legolas. You'd be a good bow and arrow guy. And uh, I'd make a great hobbit because I, I I make amazing tarts. <laughs> I, would, I would feed everybody all the time. That would be my thing. I would have Sam's special bread. So uh, great opening topic. And does yes. this ever remind you of Lord of the Rings too? It does for me. It does for me because, of course, we're doing this episode because it is the 20th anniversary of Fellowship of the Ring mm-hmm. when the movie came out basically to the day. Yeah. Which, first of all, is absolutely insane that it has been 20 years because I remember when that came out. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, all the movies came out in December. Yeah. Uh, all three, mm-hmm. uh, back to back to back years. So yeah, December definitely gives me a lot of 
Lord of the Rings feels. Uh, but we also do have another Lord of the Rings uh, type Patreon question here today, Neil. We do. Wilshire from Patreon wrote in again on the Lord of the Rings vein here, which is really cool. Hello, Mike and Neil. He actually said Neil and Mike. I don't know why I flipped that. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember playing Lord of the Rings The Third Age as a kid, and I found a spell combo for one of the characters that made them unkillable, like Legolas. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had discovered something I wasn't supposed to and outsmarted the developers. I was wondering if you guys had any memories of bugs, glitches, exploits in any games you played growing up. Yeah, so that's a great question. I love mm. talking about stuff like this. We're going to have like almost a full-fledged episode on Easter eggs for Easter at some point, which would tie into this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I was trying to think of very specific ones, and I had a, a, a tough time doing it. Because I know that there's been a lot for me. I know in the Soul series, there's a bunch of ways to, like, gimmick bosses. Okay. Um, by, you know, hitting them through the fog wall. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for, like, you know, uh, so long before they die. I've done a lot of that where I'm just, like, listing it with arrows. <laughs> <laughs> and just, like, poison arrows from way up above. Where you, This is not how you're supposed to play the game. Um, the one that I really thought of was in one of the NHL games. I, I think it might be NHL 99 or 2000. It was an older game for PC, and uh, if you stood at a certain point on the blue line, so your own goalie's, the the back blue line, so where your own goalie is, and shot it all the way down, slap shot it to the other end of the ice, you could score top shelf every single time on the other team's goalie. Top shelf? Yeah. Yeah, just just a rocket. (laughs) And I don't know if that was something the developers put in just for fun as like a testing mechanism and like just left it in. By accident. Um, Because that's something that I I vividly remember. And then of course I've talked to a couple stories about playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on PC. (laughs) Not necessarily a bug, but it was when uh, Regis would kick you out uh, of the game and close the game if you took too long on a question. Oh, uh, that that and he would talk to you. He'd be like, "You're taking too long," and he would just close the game. The entire game would close. So you wouldn't win or anything. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's many bugs that you would win the game. Yes, I know. I I, I just thought of that when I was yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. of bugs. Uh, do you have any? Yeah, I was just thinking about um, what was the game now? I was thinking. Oh, Ocarina of Time, I believe it is, or is it? Shoot, was it Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask? There's a water boss. I think it's Ocarina of Time, where if you stand in the corner. The boss can't hit you. Yeah. So you can basically, like you said, the legless arrows shoot it until, yeah. I believe it's Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Uh, but you can stand there and nothing, nothing can hit you there. So there's a lot of that in games where you can get to like unhittable zones sort of thing that you can shoot at. I'm trying to think what spell combo he's he's talking about. That uh, mm. uh, So Wilshire, write in again to us and tell us what, if you remember, yeah. what exactly that spell combo was. Because I know, I'm sure I had a lot of these moments as a kid, but they are, my memory banks are, uh, it's a lot of corrupted memory. Yeah, oh yeah, a lot of memory. <laughs> Those memories are long gone. And I didn't play a ton of RPGs or anything like that, so I can't think of any spell combos that, that were like super... Uh, helpful for me because I didn't play those games, but I was I was big into cheat codes, especially for games like Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds, which we talked about on last week's episode. You had like a lot of cheat codes there where you could get like infinite like Ewoks, where like the <laughs> character if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, which that's not really a glitch. That was in the game. Those were code names in the game that you could use. Same thing in Age of Empires. They did the same thing there, where you could get like unlimited amount of tree like wood and stone and stuff <laughs> to make just an unbelievably huge civilization. Yeah. And this also gets me thinking about the the Game Shark for the N64. Yes. Which was like the ultimate, like just unlocked your N64 (laughs) for so many things that you could do with games. Like everybody who had Goldeneye on N64 had to have a Game Shark as well because that unlocked like 
big head mode, paintball mode, <laughs> infinite ammo, man, like golden gun, infinite ammo, everything. Like you could unlock everything. Goldeneye should have come with the game shark. That would have been incredible. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's a really good topic. I, I need to find out more because I don't remember any of these things. That After a while when you're playing the game, it just becomes... A part of, that glitch just became a part of you playing the game. You forget that it was a glitch. Yeah, you do. And I'm sure we'll remember someone on episodes to come and we'll be like, yes, Wilshire. That's the one. That's yeah. and, <laughs> so, and definitely Wilshire. So keep listening. And yeah, definitely Wilshire. Please uh, write in. Let us know what that spell was. Because Mike and I, we're going to talk about it in a few minutes. We are both huge fans of Lord of the Rings, the Third Age, and we don't know about that uh, that glitch. So uh, that'd be really neat. Um, Mike, I think we have a, another uh, listener writing in today uh, off of Patreon. This is just a review. Do we have a segment for our mailbag? Uh, yes, we have our mailbag. mailbag! Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into the show, you can leave us a review on whatever podcast service you listen to us on, or you can send it to us. Just slide into our DMs on Instagram. We love it when you do that. And we will read it on the podcast, just like Mike, who wrote into us today. Yes, we have White Windhawk writing into us today, Neil. Uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts USA. Mm. And they say, amazing podcast. This is a very great podcast with two very funny and relatable hosts who have great chemistry. They make sure to keep the audience entertained each week. Listening to this mostly throughout my overnight shifts makes it just as sweet because this makes the shift fly by definitely recommend and i think i'll be a big fan of mike and neil's other projects in the near future nice we have other projects wait no not right now no. in the near future mike in the distant future the year 2022 yes. we'll have more projects to come do you think white wind hawk is related to tony hawk yeah i think so i think everyone's related to tony hawk in, in some way oh yeah we're all the children of tony hawk <laughs> if you're a millennial you you know tony hawk we love tony way. hawk but yeah we love hearing stories about uh listeners out there hearing us while they're on their shifts yeah. at work. i love that because i listen to podcasts at work too uh, definitely helps the time fly by. I'm I'm still blown away that people listen to us while they're working or at all. We we appreciate every listener out there, yep. and we definitely really appreciate it when you write in like that. That mm. is what makes it all worthwhile. We have so much fun doing this, and yes, uh, stay tuned for our future distant future projects, our, our <laughs> future endeavors. But for now, Mike, let's get back to our current endeavor, which is the Gamekeepers Cool Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 77 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 341 games. We've been going through it slowly recently. We've had some small episodes. Yeah. That's all right. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's him. Last week, we talked about Pikmin 2. Neil stood out on the street waiting for Pikmin 4. It was unsuccessful. <laughs> this week, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the theatrical release of Fellowship of the Ring. We are covering all the Lord of the Rings games on GameCube, as well as our memories of the books, the movies, the music, the memes, the toys, <laughs> everything about this franchise that has spawned over the last 84 years. Uh, Mike, I'm really excited to talk about our memories of this fantastic trilogy of books and movies, especially. Uh, I have to give a huge shout out. Actually, you don't know about this yet, but I, I need to dedicate this uh, this episode to uh, my sister's boyfriend, PJ, who you know. Yeah. Um, this is big news for you. You don't know this. They just got engaged. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. huge. They got engaged just last week. We got the news. I got the news while I was at work. So they're going to be getting married in 2022. He's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. So he'll definitely be listening to this episode. And the, the wedding is going to be full Lord of the Rings decked out, I obviously. about that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if there's going to be any Lord of the Rings themes in, in the wedding, but I think if he has a chance to like, like if, if my sister gives him the choice of like, hey, you can pick out the 
the flowers or the, the cake or whatever. I think it's going to be Lord of the Rings themed. Lord of the Rings themed. Good, good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So, PJ, shout out to you. Congratulations, guys. That's going to be really fun. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, he's a big Lord of the Rings fan. I'm more of a Star Wars fan, but we make it work. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. Oh, they are. <laughs> <laughs> they're very different. It's actually like Star Trek more, which I think that's that's more. No, that's the, mutually exclusive. That's yeah, yeah. The one. That's yeah. the one that I think I think. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Uh, uh, I love Lord of the Rings. Me I too. love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I will say to we'll just get into our history of Lord of the Rings here a little bit. Sure. Um, I will say I I read the books a little bit as a kid, but I didn't like them at all. They're not kids' books. No, I don't know why. Well, I had an uncle who was really into Lord of the Rings, and my aunt uh, as well, my dad's sister, was a big Lord of the Rings fan too. But I didn't really get into the books that much because I just found them very hard to read, and they are. They're honestly Mm -hmm. very dense. Uh, He describes trees for like an entire chapter yep uh and it's it's a lot it's a lot to read and it's a lot for a 12 year old boy who has no attention span but uh i did really really love i love the hobbit i read the hobbit and i really love the movies but uh neil it might shock you but i never saw the movies in theaters because i honestly think we were too young yeah i didn't see them either because i was you know we were we were eight years old nine years old ten years old when when they came out and i didn't watch them until I believe it was either 2004 or 2005 mm-hmm. in the summer. Uh, I'll say 2005, summer of 2005. And it was at a cottage that my parents and I and a whole bunch of friends used to rent uh, in the, the cottage area. Mm-hmm. And it was a rainy day. And someone had the extended edition of Lord of the Rings DVD, nice. which had just come out this, that earlier that year. The Fellowship. Uh, no, the whole the, the trilogy. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So it must have been probably 2005 when yeah. they all came out. Mm-hmm. And we watched all 16 hours-ish, you know, 15 hours of, of yeah. the extended versions all in one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just remember getting up, watching it, yeah. and then going to bed, still watching it, basically. <laughs> and uh, that is really what sparked my interest in, because yeah. I, when you watch all that content at once, you're mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I want to learn more. Yeah. And I, I had a... Um, I had, it wasn't the Silmarillion or whatever that's called, his like appendix book. Yeah, yeah. But I had another book that's, I think his son made, uh, Christopher right. Tolkien, that was like um, uh, just an overview, like the history of the world, okay. the history of Middle Earth. Cool. And uh, I was really into that book mm. because it was almost like a nonfiction book about fiction. <laughs> and it was that, yeah. I and I've always been interested in stuff like that. And so I really got deep into that world. Mm-hmm. And then that really sparked my love for this um, for this franchise. Yeah. And, you know. That's cool that you had that supplementary reading, basically like a university course. Yeah. That extra book. Because in the early 2000s, like, yeah, we had the, the books, the the Hobbit, the Summer, the Summerillion. Um, we had these odd games here and there, like the games based on the movies. But we didn't have like, a rich source of like like YouTube and all of these extra things that people make and, and video games and whatnot to kind of dive into the the characters and the history and like the the provinces or whatever you want to call them. So mm-hmm. that, that's really neat. That did help. That must have helped you a lot to get into the series. Learned about all the ages and everything. Yeah. And because that's like, because the whole idea with Lord of the Rings is that Middle Earth is Earth. Yeah. But thousands and thousands of years ago mm-hmm. and all these tales, you know, have kind of just diluted themselves into legends. Right? Yeah. It's a lot of Celtic folk- folklore and mm-hmm. stuff that he brings in. Uh, uh, Tolkien was a linguistics professor, yep. and so that's why he's like his love of language and mm-hmm. like that's which is very pervasive, 
it's it's in the movies it could be el- elvish and everything but it's much more in the books mm-hmm. uh when he's like really diving into the different languages yeah and tolkien had been making up his own languages long before he started lord of the rings even. yeah so that had always been like a weird hobby of his which i guess when you're in the 1900s what else do you have to do right? yeah <laughs> um but i had a similar start to lord of the rings as you did where the movies came out that was really our first introduction to the the franchise was with the movies even though the books came out uh back in like the 30s and 40s basically yeah. they're very old at this point our my parents we had the books in our house but i definitely could not read those that, no, that was very dense way beyond me when i was a kid i barely read when i was a kid if it wasn't harry potter uh, but my brother went to go see the movies in theaters yeah. and i remember them being really uh they were talked about in the schoolyard because they were like the only movie where you'd have uh, intermission yes they were so long yeah that, like, like the books <laughs> the movies were three and a half four hours long that <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, there was a bathroom break in the movie, and I remember being like, wow, there was a bathroom break in the movie. <laughs> uh, like I, I, everyone thought that was like the coolest thing. Like, oh yeah, there was a break in the movie. I just remember that being a huge part of like the schoolyard chatter on Lord of the yep. Rings, which was really funny. Uh, so yeah, I didn't see any of the movies in theaters, but my my brother who did see them, he eventually got the Fellowship of the Ring on VHS, and then the Two Towers and Return of the King on DVD, which is how I watched them eventually. Nice on my own time. I remember watching Fellowship of the Ring a lot on vhs really liking that movie it's 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 a great place to start and it's Mm -hmm. also i was talking about this with a friend of how you know what like our favorite movies are for Mm -hmm. lord of the rings and you know fellowship i think might be my favorite because of the nostalgia of it and it's got all the lines you know all the quotable lines are in fellowship i think return of the king is probably the best movie Mm mm-hmm Sure. Uh, of the three yeah. like just just film but i think fellowship is my favorite to rewatch. yeah fellowship is a fun one i think the the return of the king was the shortest one to film too because at that point they had it kind of figured out and they they filmed it all at once like the entire trilogy which was a really cool idea that i wish more trilogies would just do that because like you get situations like star wars where yeah. it's just a mess absolutely unprecedented too the mm-hmm. fact that this you know let's just talk about the history of the movies for a bit here sure uh because you know, we're talking about the games on this podcast, uh, but you know, the mo- you, you have to talk about the movies. This is a complete Lord of the Rings episode <laughs> yeah. about everything. So we got to get the movies and the books out of the way, and then we'll get to the GameCube talk. The fact that, so this was done on a $280 million budget, wow. and it was signed to do all three together. Mm-hmm. So the entire series was basically done between October of 99 and October of, uh, or like December of 2000. Right. So the everything was done in basically a year, mm-hmm. and then they they did pickup shots in, in in you know the years after. But the fact that they were able to create this you know fifteen hour epic almost yeah. right, and, and all in all in a year they had everything planned out. The fact that Peter Jackson, this relatively unknown director mm-hmm. from New Zealand, yes, was able to create this world, bring everyone to New Zealand, mm-hmm. convince New Line Cinema to uh, actually film everything in new zealand and do it there on uh, on their dime and mm-hmm. uh clearly just a huge passion project by yeah. by peter jackson mm-hmm. but uh neil they grossed three billion dollars i know yeah uh, on a 280 million dollar budget i know like each each part technically costs about 90 90 to 93 million if you want to do the math yeah uh the, the fellowship of the ring grossed 900 million the two towers 950 and then return of the king 1.2 billion <laughs> yeah that's in 2003 yeah, this was re- this is unprecedented. So, like adjusted for inflation, that's I, I didn't even do the math there, but twenty twenty one, that's got to be close to two billion dollars. Yeah, right? it, it's it's just unbelievable the fact mm-hmm. that like I still can't believe how this was even made. Every once in a while, I just like keep looking. I'm like, okay, but like, how did this happen? Yeah. Now, how was he allowed to do this? And I I did a lot of research this week on that premise, and 
he did, you know, it took a long time for him to actually get the go-ahead to do these things. Mm-hmm. But th- a movie of Lord of the Rings had been in the works right, basically since the, the books came out. Yeah. Th- but it was something that a lot of directors didn't want to uh, go after because they knew it would be almost unfilmable. Mm-hmm. There's so much content that you can't keep everyone everything in. You're not going to please everybody. Right. And you have to get a massive, massive budget to be able to do this properly. The tr- first true adaptation of it was a Ralph Bashki uh, the movie, animated film the, from 1978 which is okay it's not it, you know it doesn't age that well but it's um the the set design of it like the way that it's animated everything the way the characters look mm-hmm. uh peter jackson took exactly that yeah. like when you see the shire uh mm-hmm. and when you see uh bilbo baggins house sure. it's identical to the one in the movie nice. in, in the live actions and i read that peter jackson had never read the books before uh, but he watched this movie religiously as a yeah. kid and really, really liked this. And that was one of his big inspirations. It's a good way to visualize it. I mean, as descriptive as Tolkien is, like like you said, he describes the trees for like a chapter. <laughs> the books are incredibly descriptive that it's it's important to nail the environments and everything. It they is. are so nicely described that like you can't go off script doing that. You have to just follow the book, follow the script and everything. And yeah, they definitely nailed it with the movies. We also need to talk about the Hobbit films that came out about 10 years later, which was 2012, 2013, and 2014. They split the shortest book into a trilogy. Um, I'm not a huge fan of those films. I don't think many Tolkien fans are. They'll accept them or anything and everything, but um, they were made on a $745 million budget. They grossed almost $3 billion. Oh, yeah. So they made their money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, did, they did well enough financially, but uh, I, I, I didn't even see the third one. I, I think, I mean... I, I, my mantra for the Lord of the Rings is I like the Lord of the Rings movies. I don't love the books. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa. I love the Hobbit, the book. Don't yeah. love the movies. Exactly. But, I mean, the thing is the Hobbit movies are still good. There's nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. I just think it was it was a bit of a strange, very like capitalist business move to, to split them up into three yeah. parts. It, it really did not need to be split up into three parts. No, it was just, it was just that it's just unfortunate because that like 2009 to 2015 era of films was all part one, part two movies. Like That's, you think Harry Potter, you think hunger games, you think uh, like twilight. Yeah. Yeah. Hob- like all of those dark kind of teen book movies were all in parts. Cause they know like, they're like, were you, well, this is how we make the most money. Yeah, and it's, it's sad yeah, in that sense. It, right. But we could have had some really good movies in that time. And we did, but like some of them were just misses, but, uh, Lord of the Rings comes in at the 20th highest grossing franchises of all time, uh, on our Wikipedia, uh, sheet that we like to, to reference. Where's it between? Okay. It's right behind cars. <laughs> Damn it. I, I know that's what I have in my notes. Don't worry. It's going up. It's going up. Cars it's, is dead. Cars uh, is done. Lord <laughs> of the Rings is only going to get higher Yeah, because yeah. there's games still coming out. And the, and the series. The series, of course. And it's just ahead of Yu-Gi-Oh! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, well, we were surprised last time on the Yu-Gi-Oh! episode of how high Yu-Gi-Oh! was. 21. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane to me. Yeah. That's that high. I love following that sheet to see like what, what the high, <laughs> I just like to see what's popular in the world of all yeah. time. It's just neat. Uh, so the book sales, uh, which is kind of hard to track because the books at first were actually released as a single book. That's right. So it's really hard to actually find the sales of each book. Uh, but total money-wise, uh, they've uh, accumulated about $9.1 billion. The movies, almost $6 billion. Home video sales, $4.1 billion. Merchandise, half a, half a billion dollars. Licensing, another quarter of a billion dollars. <laughs> video games, not super high, but uh, that, that, that one's kind of hard to track as well. Yeah. It's in around the half or around the $100 million range. Um, there's a lot of good Lord of the Rings video games out there, Mike, but we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, so, yeah, 
Great series. Do you have anything about the the series that you'd like to say before we uh, jump into the games here? Well, I'd like to just talk about the Lord of the Rings games in general sure. and where they started. So, Lord of the Rings uh, for were actually some of the earliest computer games mm-hmm. back in the day. A lot of them were text adventure based games, yep. um, and which was a new genre for. Things like Commodore 64. Yeah, where PC you, games PC, a lot. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of had uh, this, literally like a choose-your-own-adventure book, but as a, as a yeah. like a, a PC game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very, very influential for its time. And those games really paved the way for RPGs in general. Yeah. Because they were just a text-based RPG, really. Lord of the Rings, not even the games, just Lord of the Rings <laughs> yeah. is big for, like, you look at Zelda, you look at Witcher, you look at... I'm drawing a blank. Dragon Age. Elder Scrolls. Skyrim. Yeah, like, it's all Lord of the Rings. It's how I think of it is Lord of the Rings is similar to Bond games mm-hmm. and Metroid games where, in the sense of other games now, do it better than the original. Mm. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, like, like you know, uh, they lay the groundwork, but Elder Scrolls and The Witcher are really just, like, the peak of Lord yeah. of the Rings like fan- high fantasy style games mm. where uh, you think of uh, Metroid and all the different Metroidvanias that have come out that yeah. have really surpassed Metroid in a lot of ways. It's done better. There's a lot of new Metroidvania games like indie games especially yeah. that are better than like Metroid Dread that just came out this year. Like a lot of people will say like well Hollow Knight was better than this and like you know like a Lord of the Rings games are in the works right now but I think Witcher 3 will go down as one of the best video games of all time and, yeah. it, and it ranks higher on Metacritic uh, than the best uh, Lord of the Rings game on Metacritic is Shadow of Mordor, yeah. uh, and The Witcher is higher than that. Well, look at Skyrim. Yeah, you know Skyrim, which is you know it, it is for all intents and purposes a Lord of the Rings game. Yes, like, yeah, it, <laughs> it really is. Basically, you can role play it as if you're playing a Lord of the Rings. Yeah, game if you want to. And and that's the thing is that like that that game is completely you know that's everywhere. That it's mm-hmm. been ten years now. Everyone knows where they were when that game came out too. Yeah. Like it was, it was a pretty monumental thing. Kind of the Lord of the Rings of our generation, almost. It is right. Yeah. So it's 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 funny how like you know again no no disrespect to the Lord of the Rings games because they are very very good, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just that so many people have taken the Lord of the Rings high fantasy genre and just improved upon it in yeah. a lot of ways, which is really what you want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to see that you you don't want to see a Lord of the Rings game be the only open world RPG fantasy game ever, you or just want... Lord of the Rings in general. Yeah. You know, because think of Game of Thrones. Like True. the same, you know, it's a, it's yeah. this the, a similar idea where like what you uh, the world that's set in mm-hmm. this this high fantasy world that it's nice when you get some new things. Obviously, Game of Thrones didn't end the same way Lord of the Rings did. <laughs> Lord of the Rings no. did it good, and yeah. one of them did it bad. <laughs> one of them ended with a Starbucks cup. But, like, we're gonna get we're getting two more Lord of the Rings games on the way. One of them is centered around Gollum, which is interesting. I'm excited for that. Actually, Me I think too. I'm gonna pick that up. Oh, definitely. That one's scheduled for 2022, and just speaking of Skyrim and The Witcher, another Lord of the Rings game that they're making is an open-world Lord of the Rings game, yep. which is going to be hard to com- not compare it to Skyrim. I know! <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see commercially how that one does, or critically, I guess, how that one yeah. does, but I think Gollum is going to be really interesting, because there's not much centered around him. No. Out of the 48 Lord of the Rings game, there's been 48 Lord of the Rings games, including mobile, and like Lego games and stuff like that, so from... 1984, which I think was that first text adventure game that you yep. were talking about, up until 2021, we've had quite a few Lord of the Rings, almost, what, one, two a year? One <laughs> or two a year? So in the 90s, we had a lot of them. Uh, we had a lot of different uh, games that were actually published by EA mm-hmm. at the time, and Interplay Games, and those were on the PC, and there was a SNES Lord of the Rings game as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that. I've never seen that one. Either. Neither have I, but it's the, it does exist. Uh, and that was in 94, I think. And But then after that, the licensing got a little 
funky and they knew that peter jackson was going to be creating the the the, the movies mm-hmm. and so they wanted to obviously create some games with the movies so they had a bit of a hiatus right and then of course we have fellowship of the ring coming in for 2001 mm-hmm. two towers return of the king we have the hobbit game yep. <laughs> uh we have the third age uh and then we have battle for middle earth as well mm-hmm. uh and then after that we have uh sporadic games we have aragorn's quest we have war in the north which is the first m-rated game mm. War in the North is the, the first of kind of the the darker games because we yeah. uh, get Shadow of Mortar in 2014. Those games were really popular when they came out. Shadow of Mortar, I remember everybody talking, because that was like one of the first next-gen games on PS4 and it was. Xbox One. It, it was a game that didn't have any business being that good. No, and it did. It could have. It didn't even need to be a Lord of the Rings game. No, but it wouldn't have got. I don't think it would have got as much coverage if it wasn't a Lord of the Rings game. No, and then and then after Shadow of Mordor, there's a sequel that, which I'm playing right now, actually. Oh, cool! Uh, Shadow of War, which came out in 2017. Yep. And then since that, we've had a lot of Lego games, <laughs> a lot yep. of Lord of the Rings Lego games, which are fine. We love Lego games. And then, yep. yeah, like you said, the Gollum game, the open world that are coming out in hopefully next year. Hopefully next year. Hopefully we can get our hands on a PS5 next year so we can play some of these <laughs> new games coming out. But uh, we're here to talk about some old games, Mike. We're not here to talk about new games. No one wants to hear our <laughs> no, opinion. About no one games. wants to hear about new games, Neil. So I think we should jump into the GameCube games now, Mike. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, so the first game on GameCube was Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, which came out on October 21st, 2002. This is two months before the movie. Uh, uh, October in for the PS2, but uh, for the GameCube, it mm-hmm. came out December 31st. Right, December 31st was the GameCube release, which is our favorite day of the year to release a video game. <laughs> New Year's Eve, when everyone is looking for something to play. You know what? You know what it was, Neil? They definitely were contracted to release it before the end of 20, uh, 2002. Then why didn't they just put it out a few weeks earlier? Do you think they weren't done? I don't think they were done. All right, well, let's talk about it in a second. The game was developed by Stormfront Studios, published by EA Games. It's also on PS2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, and the mobile phone. I'm sure that game's a banger. Uh, Rates an 8 out of 10, which is interesting. It's priced today at around $15.00. And it's a third-person hack-and-slash-adventure. I have third Pikmin hack-and-slash-adventure. I think autocorrect <laughs> here uh, is uh, bugging me a little bit. So, yeah, this is like a third-person adventure game based on the movie, based on the game. Uh, but it actually also ties in a little bit of the Fellowship of the Ring, which is obviously missing from the GameCube's library. Yes, and uh, before we get into that, I just want to have a little correction. Uh, it's Stormfront Studios, but for the GameCube-specific version, it's Gryptonite Games. Gryptonite Games, okay. Yeah, they got a couple different developers to make PS2, Game Boy Advance mobile version um, yeah so it does get a little bit confusing there um but yeah this is a this is a neat game uh graphically not the best not the best but i mean it's you know it's a 2002 game and yeah. well actually it's a 2001 game really yeah. um but and to get into that so you're probably asking why is there not a fellowship uh, of the ring game mm-hmm. well <laughs> well let me tell you so what happened was that sierra entertainment and ea games both relatively big publishers at the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, they wanted to both get the licenses for to make these movie games. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that the license for Lord of the Rings was actually quite broken up. Uh, and that's a lot of one of the biggest reasons why the uh, movies took so long to get made was because of trying to acquire the licenses, both The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings right. and everything. Mm-hmm. So what they ended up doing was that the source material, so the books could be developed into games by Sierra Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then the films, uh, they could be developed into games by EA Games. Right. Now, this is a stupid idea <laughs> and and something that I don't think will ever happen again no. because it just cannibalizing your market almost at this point. 
And it doesn't make any sense because, of course, the movies are based on the book. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and it's not like you're going to do a whole movie based on Tom Bombadil. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, or a whole game based on Tom Bombadil. So, uh, it was it was not a great, great premise in that sense. But, um, no. it, it, so what happened was that Sierra decided to, because the licensing came kind of the last minute. So, EA decided not to create a fellowship game. Instead, mm-hmm. put the fellowship um background story elements into two towers mm-hmm. then sierra decided to make their own fellowship of the ring game that came right. out in 2001 uh, not for gamecube because gamecube hadn't even come out at this point right and or had just come out really mm-hmm. uh so sierra made their fellowship game which was not based on the movie but obviously it is because mm-hmm. it's based on the book that's the yeah. movie's based off so this is horrible. <laughs> it's very confusing it almost it, it would be like if the harry potter games if it, you got we got the Philosopher's Stone, and then you also get like a Sorcerer's Stone based on the book, yeah. <laughs> based on the movie. Uh, and EA, they had to also be very careful because they worked very closely with uh, Tolkien Studios to make sure yes. that they weren't going too far off the source material. So like, they had to stay on brand with the movie, but they also had to extend it because yeah. it's a game; it's not a movie. You need to you need to stretch this game out. And they couldn't use any of the material that was in the books because right. that was. Uh, reserved for Sierra Entertainment. Exactly. And it's the same thing. Sierra had to make sure that they weren't using anything that the movies did uh, yeah. differently than the book. So it's what so, a nightmare. Yeah, so like they had to take bits of the movie that were like looked fun and interesting and just stretch those out. Like if you just see a small character in a movie, that had to be stretched out to basically a level. Um, and even then, like even after trying to stretch this movie out into a game, it was still criticized for the length of it. That was one of the bigger problems, along with repetitive gameplay, which seemed to be a, seems to even to this day, be a criticism to a lot of hack and slash style games. Repetitive gameplay. That's what that's that's what hack and slash games are, though. So it's like repetitive gameplay yeah. is in the title, basically. But uh, the game is very short. If you watch let's plays, they're all around three to four hours at most, um, which is too bad. However, the game itself is actually pretty good for being true to the source material. For being yeah. true to the movie, they do a really good job. The character models are fantastic. They got a lot of uh, motion capture as well, specifically from uh, my boy Vigo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vigo Mortensen uh, was a big supporter of these uh, games, and he, uh, like the rest of the cast, like Orlando Bloom, uh, yeah, Liv Tyler, yeah, they all did. Uh, they all provided their own voices in it. Mm-hmm. The, the the music is the same. So you really like if you're a fan of the series, if you're a fan of this movie, mm-hmm. it is a great game to play. Yeah, it's a good movie. This is a good movie tie-in. And I feel like we talk a lot about movie tie-ins, specifically around James Bond games and Spider-Man games. I don't feel like anybody talks about these games. They don't. And, you know, when I... But but when I usually look up, like, best movie tie-ins, mm-hmm. Two Towers is almost always number two, three. It's always, like, in yeah. the top. I think it, it's just fun. Like, it's not meant to be a deep RPG. We're going to talk about something like that a little bit later. It's not super lore-heavy. They actually take bits and pieces from the movie, which is neat. They don't make cutscenes, which I kind of like that. Like, no, nobody else was doing this, where, like, you get just a scene from the movie as your cutscene, and then you go in and play a battle uh, in your in your GameCube game, Yeah, uh, which which is neat. And we talk about the struggle between EA uh, and, yeah, Vivendi and Sierra games. Uh, EA did come out on top at the very, at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. This game coming out, Two Towers coming out around the same time as uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh Two Towers outsold Fellowship of the Ring 4-1. <laughs> yeah, so, of course, of course. They ate them alive. Um, the movies <laughs> were just, they were just way more popular at the time than the books. I think that the movies did re uh, reignite interest in the books, but no one was like reading the book and thinking, oh, I want to play a game based on this. They saw the movie and wanted to play a game based on that. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, in terms of the actual game, 
the I love the HUD. I'm a big fan of the HUD. I yeah. love the sword as the your health bar. Mm-hmm. I think that's a a nice little feature that doesn't clog up the uh, the screen too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the little arrows, you know, showing how many arrows you have, how many, uh, and you can you can swap that as well for like what weapon you're using yep. uh, to show your ammo. I think like it, the, the the camera movements as well are are, are pretty nice for the mm-hmm. time. There was a lot of jankiness in a lot of games in 2002. Mm-hmm. So again, for a 2002 game um, that was really made in 2001, that uh, they had to make sure that they were following the source material. I think they did a good job because you have to remember, basically every movie tying game that we talk about does not really follow the movie. No, no, not at all. Because like <laughs> they just get the script at the last minute yeah. and they get like main story beats that they need to hit, and everything else is kind of up to them. And, uh, yeah, 2001 game, but I'm just looking at the amount of characters on screen at once, too. The amount of orcs that you're fighting as a team, it's really impressive, actually. Without it completely dropping frame rate? Yeah, no drop in frame rate, and the characters all look like they're doing different things at once. You you get attacked by multiple characters at the same time. Uh, I I think of the Batman Arkham series, which is also compared to the Shadow of Mordor game a little bit as well. Um, how the the thugs all kind of come at you one at a time. Yeah, this yeah. game is not that. No, orcs are coming at you regardless of, of what you're of who you're attacking or anything. Um, so it's kind of harder to string moves together in that sense. But it is a little bit more realistic to what war in these movies was like. Yeah, characters are all coming at you at once, like we talked about with like just being the front line of the battle, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's pretty impressive how many. Uh, characters they got moving independently and animated differently like we just talked about pikmin last week how that was a huge deal having 100 pikmin on screen this game has i believe it's between 15 to 20 orcs uh individually animated and and on screen at one time and like you said mike the frame rate dips is is pretty low um yeah yeah considering yeah i mean a lot of the environments are all pretty basic like you fight in tight corridors uh which makes it easier um so you don't have to obviously animate huge sprawling spaces and have battles going on in the sidelines with hundreds of characters animated as well. So uh, that that definitely helps. Um, for most of the game, you're, you play as Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas, since this game is based directly on the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that if you have the Game Boy Advance version... Oh, yes, we love this. <laughs> yeah, you can also play as Frodo, uh, and I always get this name wrong. It's Eowyn? Eowyn? Um, A- Eowyn? Yeah. So you can play as Frodo and Eowyn, who's the, the woman who I just remember as being the one who cuts off uh, Witch King's uh, like dragon's head and whatnot. That's right. Uh, with Gimli available as an unlockable character oh, once you completed the game with the other characters. Um, so it's nice to have like little differences here and there with GameCube and Game Boy Advance version. Kind of like a little bit of a complete package. Mm-hmm. And of course, all the characters have their own weapons and combos, like... Your Legolas, you have your bow and arrow. Aragon has his sword. Gimli has his axe. <laughs> his axe. So yeah, nice little combination of heavy attacks, light attacks, range attacks. You can use combos. Uh, Aragon is, of course, the melee fighter. Legolas has his range. And uh, Gimli is uh, the heavy boy. He's the heavy boy. Mm-hmm. So you might also be wondering, for Sierra Entertainment here, uh, they made the Fellowship game, but they didn't make a Two Towers game. Yeah, what happened there? Well, they did get sold out by uh, <laughs> four to one, like you said. But they decided not to make a Two Towers game, mostly because of time and money, and they wanted to focus on some other projects. Uh, but what they were going to do was they were going to call Two Towers uh, the original title for Two Towers, which I believe was Tower of Sirith Ungol, uh, which is, I guess, one of the actual towers. And uh, so he, uh, this was, I guess, uh, uh, Tolkien's, like, one of his original names. And they wanted to do that because they didn't want to have two games yeah. <laughs> called Lord of the Rings and Two Towers. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's probably best that they didn't end up putting a title out. But a lot of those elements 
that uh, Sierra Entertainment used for Two Towers, they ended up uh, bringing back in uh, The Hobbit, which we'll talk about later. Great. Can't wait to talk about that one. And The Two Towers was also, uh, was talked about being a role-playing game at first. Uh, EA was very into the idea of making uh, Lord of the Rings role-playing game because hmm. that's how the series really got its start on PC and whatnot. Like, yep. it's, it's definitely a good series to make a role-playing game out of, obviously. Um, but the uh, they ended up on an action game, of course. Um, so there, there, there actually was a quote uh, from uh, the producer of the game, Scott Evans, who addressed the development of the game, and he said, quote, Our core design goal was to immerse players in the world of Middle-earth and allow them to relive the most memorable moments of the Lord of the Rings films. We knew early on the best way to deliver that to players was to center the game on an action experience. I think they're right. I think that it's good that they made a couple of action games based on the movies first and then make an RPG uh, on their own. Yeah, especially with like Third Age like being just an encompassing world of Lord of the Rings rather than just a specific movie. I think they yeah. they, they totally nailed it with Two Towers. Uh, I know it has its faults for sure, but this is definitely the best thing they could have done in 2001 definitely. for a movie tie-in like this. And it only got better, Mike, with The Return of the King. Should we uh, move on to that game now, since they are very similar? Well, it's time to read the back of the box, Neil. All right. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Decide the fate of Middle-earth. Join the Fellowship. Sounds like a Fellowship ring tagline. <laughs> Play as Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli in this epic adventure. Upgrade your characters with new moves and weapons. Unlock a secret character and level. Defeat the Dark Lord's minions. Battle through locations from the first two films, including Defense of Helm's Deep Classic. Fight orcs, the Uruk-hai, ring rates, and more. Exclusive movie content, scenes from the film The Two Towers, soundtrack from The Fellowship of the Ring, what? exclusive interviews with the stars of the films. I, I honestly, like, you know, after watching this, after doing a lot of research on Lord of the Rings in general, I actually would like to get this game. Me too, but I feel like you kind of need to play both games, because they, they, it does tie really nicely into The Return of the King. So let's talk about that game right now. Return of the King was released on November 3rd, 2003, one year later. Developed by EA Redwood Shores. It's published by EA Games. It's also on PS2, Game Boy Advance, Xbox, Mobile. I bet that game's also a banger. And Windows. This game rates, once again, 8 out of 10. It's $15 today and is, once again, a third-person hack-and-slash game. Uh, it's very similar to The Two Towers in that it's not an adaptation of the novel. It's an adaptation of Return of the King, the movie. Uh, anything about the novel is not specifically mentioned uh, in in the games, if, unless it was depicted in the movies. Yep. So it's the same situation. Again. Same situation. Yeah, they were still being sticklers with the movie rights and the book rights, which is uh, too bad. But so we stretched out some portions of the movies again to make another short hack and slash game. But uh, this one definitely does improve upon the two towers quite a bit. Uh, it's the same gameplay basically, um, but uh, difference between this game and the Two Towers is that this game has three storylines, which is kind of neat because that's a lot of what Lord of the Rings was. Yes, it was a lot of storylines separating, like Sam and Frodo, uh, Aragorn's Legos, quest, Aragorn yeah, yeah, and uh, and everything else going on, and then they all kind of come together at the very end. Yeah, uh, which I'm really glad that they did that in this game. It kind of made you feel like you're part of the movie again because it isn't everyone together throughout the entire time. Um, I think that's I think that's probably the, the way to do it, and I'm glad they did, because uh, yeah, Return of the King is such a great movie, and it's just such a culmination uh, of of someone's you know of Peter Jackson's vision, really. Yeah, and the developers of this game actually worked with 
the the movie developers as mm-hmm. well. Actual yeah. movie developers. Um, but uh, they work very closely with each other, which is nice to see. We've we've talked about that before with games and how they're far more uh, successful when they work with the people who are working directly on the movie that they're basing this game on. Yeah. No. It's uh, well. What's funny with that, though, Neil, is that Peter Jackson, of course, the director, uh, he famously didn't love the Lord of the Rings video games. Which why? Do you know why? I, I don't. I, I so I don't think he was directly that involved in the games, which is very standard as a director for a movie. Like sure. you, you're going to be involved in the movie, not the game. But I think he realized the the potential, especially after Two Towers selling so well, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then of course with uh, Return of the King, realizing like you know what this is a lot is this medium is much more pervasive than i thought yes you know it's it's kind of everywhere and i can really do something cool i can really tie these these worlds and right instead of just making a, a game of exactly what the movie is which i don't think he loved although i think it was the right thing to do um he was like well we could do something that's like a, a companion piece almost exactly. and that's what happened with king kong yes. um where we talked about I don't know, a couple months ago. <laughs> so at some point, we, we did our King Kong and Rampage episode. And in that episode, we talked about how Peter Jackson was the director of the game. Right. Uh, uh, as Along with the one of the chief designers at Ubisoft, the guy who created Rayman, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was very cool too. But yeah, Peter Jackson, because of these games, he really wanted to have a huge say in them and, and direct them himself. It just it's it's really tough because you know of course like Return of the King is a is a great a great movie tying game, mm-hmm. uh, but I would be very interested to to objectively review this um, <laughs> with, with like not if this wasn't a Lord of the Rings game, yeah you know because of course I I enjoy this game a lot because it is Lord of the Rings because it's Return of the King one of the best movies like it's uh, the nostalgia for it is huge even if you're like even if you're playing it today mm-hmm. um where if this wasn't a lord of the rings game this is a relatively generic hack and slash yeah and it's a dark souls without the difficulty yeah basically. that's kind of what i'm I'm getting at here so you know i i want to give these games a lot of credit because they were quite groundbreaking at the mm-hmm. time you know it just we've been talking about lots of 2002 2003 games Yes. These play a lot better and look a lot better than any of them. Definitely. Actually, this game does improve quite a bit over the, the two towers. Uh, the developers in one year were able to double the texture density and polys on screen, which is really impressive. Uh, so the, this game looks richer. Everything looks a little bit more detailed. I'm saying this as I'm looking at some skulls that don't look detailed. <laughs> um, but like I said before, they the first game here had like a bunch of orcs on screen, which was neat. Like It was 10 to 15 was the limit. This game was able to double that and more to 40 or wow. enemies on screen at a time which is really neat but just going back to what you said there about the bias of like if this game wasn't a lord of the rings game uh it wouldn't be as stand out as it wouldn't be an eight if this wasn't a lord of the rings game i don't think this game would have got an eight but no because a lot of the a lot of the reason for this being so good is because of the voice, voice actors because of the dialogue because the, of the music the movie cutscenes as well exactly it's it, it, it is so much more immersive than any other game at this time mm-hmm. Um, because playing a hack and slash like this really doesn't interest me that much. But when it's Lord of the Rings, when I get to experience uh, the movies in a different way, when I feel like I'm part of the movie at yeah. this point, when I'm part of something that I really love, yeah. that, that's what escalates it to an eight or nine. Yeah, I think that that's how you have to rate it. It's just like, it's not, don't compare it to other hack and, like how good is this as a hack and slash game? You have to think of it as how good is this of a Lord of the Rings game instead? And yes. It could be way worse which we're going to get to that a little bit. <laughs> uh, it could have been way worse. And, like, you know, they could have cut out the movie cutscenes. They didn't need to do that, but they did. They didn't have to have the movie actors, which we've seen 
movie tie-in games where they don't use the movie actors, obviously, and those games are bad, typically. Yeah. I've, I've almost never seen a movie tie-in game since we've been doing this podcast where they, they omit those things and the game is serviceable. But like like this one, I gotta, you know, the character models are fantastic mm -hmm. in Return of the King and Two Towers. Like both of them, I think of uh, even Spider-Man 2, which I know is a beloved movie tying game. Mm -hmm. I think the character models in that, not as good. No. Not as good as this. Yeah, but yeah. That, that is an open world game. So, I mean, again, you have to compare it to other open world games. But yeah. It's also a Spider -Man but it's game. a character model. So, you, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man like, does look a little off. Yeah. But the, like these, you know, and this is, this isn't just getting Spider-Man right. This is getting the whole fellowship right. This is yeah. getting everybody, you know, the uh, Lord of the Rings has so many main characters mm -hmm. and you have to do them justice. Yeah. You can't have these Charlie's Angels uh, <laughs> looking ones that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where just like these horrible faces that are like yeah. melted. Like these, they, not not only the faces, but the body types, the, the mm -hmm. movements, like it was, there was so much put into the characters. Yeah, the size of each character too, like Legolas looks taller, Gimli looks shorter. They could have definitely made them all look similar <laughs> yeah. in body size and, yeah. that would have, and just different capes and swords and everything. Yeah, again, you know, this is 20 years ago, right? This yeah. is this is pretty remarkable for this time. I'm getting scared to think that this is 20 years ago. But <laughs> we also got a couple more, or a couple new um, characters introduced to the game. Just like before, we have uh, Aragon, Legolas, Gimli, Frodo. This game also introduces Gandalf, Sam, Faramir, Pippin, and Merry available mm -hmm. as unlockable characters. So just fleshing out the world a little bit more uh, based on the movies. Um, but yeah, I don't have a ton more to say about this game. But I think that you're right that this package of Two Towers and Return of the King would be a really neat pickup to play. And Return of the King also includes co-op play. Yes, it does. Yeah, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah. we could possibly play this game together. Oh, so, yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, that might be neat. Uh, but, Mike, that's all I have to say about uh, the, the Return of the King. Shall we uh, read the back of the case and move on to our next game? Let's do it. All right. Live the movie. Be the hero. Live the epic adventure. Play as nine characters, including Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Sam, and Frodo. Battle through 15 highly interactive levels. Form your fellowship. Fight side-by-side -side in multiplayer co-op. Unlock special content by connecting to Game Boy Advance. Defeat the forces of evil. Confront Shelob, the King of the Dead, the Witch King, Sauron's Lieutenant, and more. Movie exclusives. The only game with scenes and music from the films. I like that they had to like differentiate themselves from the Sierra game. Yeah. We're the only game that does this. <laughs> your Sierra game sucks. But EA did want to make continue making Lord of the Rings games, Mike, but they ran out of films to base the games on. So Damn it. They, they went out and they decided, let's make a game based on our own characters here. Let's start our own story based on the Tolkien universe. It's not going to be based on the books, so we can get around it here. That's when they came out with Lord of the Rings The Third Age on November 2nd, 2004, developed again by EA Redwood Shores, same as Return of the King, published by EA Games. The game is also on Xbox, PS2, and Game Boy Advance. It rates 7.5 out of 10, which is a little low in my opinion. Priced today at around $20, this is a turn-based RPG, different than the hack and slash genre that we've had up until this point. Now, Neil, I believe at this point, they actually did, EA did fully get the license for both games and books okay. at this point. This yeah. is the point where they got that. I, right. So that is why you do see a whole new world, but you also see um, the Fellowship characters like... Gimli and Legolas and Aragorn return in this game. Okay. So right. yeah. So we do have I I this is bad because I played this game many times. I don't remember if Frodo is in this game. I don't think he is. I don't think so either. But but the the Fellowship are so like yes. the, yeah the main and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of secondary characters like um um uh, what's his name 
Fun fact, I'm terrible at Lord of the Rings. I know, I'm so, and I've seen the movies like five times and I still can't. I love it, I love it. I can't remember the, it's like Bionicle. I can't remember the places. Dothamir, Dothamir, Dothamir. Dothamir sounds like a name. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in this. And there's a bunch of other um, more secondary characters that are in this. And again, character models, they got, like they look like them. And I, and they did a a really good job with that. But, um, so think of the third, if you've never played the third age, first of all, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you need to play it. It's a great game. Even if you're not, like I think that this would be a fun game to play if you're an RPG fan. Oh yeah, a fan of a linear story, and maybe you're not like me if you're not a fan of RPGs, but are looking for something to just try RPGs, but you're not looking for like a 100-hour Final Fantasy X experience. Lord of the Rings: The Third Age is really good because it's not open world. It's very much you're running down a tunnel, but there's still random active battle scenarios, yep. which is interesting. Yeah. And your characters, you level them up. The experience points distributions is very simple to understand. You just you either adjust your strength, your dexterity, and, and uh, your magic or whatever you want to do. Um, so it's very much like a Final Fantasy game, but it kind of cuts out a lot of the the, the weediness of it and, uh, <laughs> and gives you a Lord of the Rings skin to it. And it's it's really really good. It's 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 such a good game, and 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 I would say everything except the weediness. <laughs> no. It, it, it does it, it does cut out a lot of the fluff that Final Fantasy has, and and I'm sure a lot of people do like Final Fantasy because of the 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 depth of the content that you get from it. For for me, I like my 25 hour games. Yeah. I, I don't I don't need something that's super massive. And uh, Third Age does a really good job at being succinct yes. in their gameplay. I mean, the only thing that we were talking about this earlier, playing it. Uh, the only thing I didn't love was the fact that you can't skip some of these uh, animations yeah. after you win, after you do an attack, because again, it is all turn-based. But other than that, everything is very, very fast, very mm-hmm. you know uh, immediate. Saving is extremely easy in this game. Yeah. Where I, I mean, this is something you know this dates us, but like back in the day, saving was kind of hard. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of a game that I played recently where I was waiting to be able to save. Uh... And just saving, like, like. Uh, you know, you have to go through all the yes, yes, I don't want to do, yes, this yeah. is fine, yes, this yeah. is okay. Like, you usually at least four different boxes mm-hmm. of saving. It was Metroid Prime 2, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, but yeah. yeah, there are constant, basically bonfires from, uh, yeah. from Dark Souls. It's very, very easy to compare this game to Dark Souls. Yes, Dark Souls, for sure, like, from software, took a lot of ideas from this and and brought it into Dark Souls and into that universe, into the Souls universe, because it's, it's that same kind of dark brooding uh world and which is actually quite a bit different than return of the king and two towers because mm-hmm. of course those are based on the, on the movies and kind of have to follow the sets and the yes. art direction that the movies have where i always found the third age to be much more darker in that sense okay. and like much more i don't know what the word would be yeah. brooding like like it, lord lord of the rings third age the the sets feel uh, much more unique, I would say, okay. than uh, and the settings feel much more unique than Two Towers: Return of the King, which clearly you reused a lot of elements. Sure, yeah, and um, and the characters do look similar to like what you'd see in a yeah. Lord of the Rings game. Like you look at some of these characters and you see Gimli, <laughs> you see Aragorn, you see the orcs who like, aren't even them. Yeah, aren't like even for, them, but yeah. like it, you can kind of imagine that they are. Yeah. So you're basically getting a Lord of the Rings story, uh, a Lord of the Rings fellowship story that we got from the films, but different characters, different voice actors, um, and. Yeah, like it's basically like a the battle system is, is a lot like a Pokemon game to yep. me, except for you have three to four characters at a time as opposed to just your one-on-one Pokemon. Uh, and actually, when they made the game, they had the idea of having it being an active time battle. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but instead they decided to change it 
to change it to what's considered a conditional time battle system. So um, in active time battle, this is this is like a lesson for Neil. Right? <laughs> if you're not a RPGs, I'm going to try and get this. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, see. yeah. Please. So in active time battle, characters don't always act on a turn ratio of one to one, but instead they act uh, they act as determined by uh, charge time. So like okay. I think that's a lot of Final Fantasy games like that. Um, an active time battle gauge fills up over time. Once that yep. is filled, you can either act uh, by attacking or casting spells or something. Uh, that this game does not have that. This game has conditional time battle. Uh, where party members and enemies will have their turn in order to decide on what specific moves they want to do. Very easy to understand here, specific moves that you have. You have either items, your kind of your strong attack or your special attack, and then your basic attack. So that's all you really have uh, to pick from, which is nice. Of course, you do have your party that you're with the whole time. So your party uh, always has different, you know, like you'll have a, um, a sage, like a, a, you'll have like a Gimli type, you know, with their, with your ax. Yeah. And so everything does different damage. And depending on what you, who you use first, mm-hmm. uh, that will change what happens to those characters and what moves they can use. Right. And, uh, when you first play this game, I remember when I first played this again. So I played this game a long time ago on Xbox. A friend of mine had it. And we got really into it, as you do, because it does really bring you into the store, a story, very much like uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, which right. we talked about a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, which was not on GameCube. <laughs> Sadly, no. Sadly, no. But what, but what I noticed when I played it again uh, as, a, as an adult, <laughs> when I played it again uh, a couple of years ago when we picked it up, uh, I think I was at the cottage with you, Neil, when I was playing it. Yeah. I, uh, I was looking, I'm like, oh, this is... This is a little simple. This, this, the, these attacks, everything seems a little simple here. Okay. But then you realize that it's not actually that simple. Uh, it's, it's not just like Pokemon where you're literally just, you know, like attacking, using your four attacks, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more strategy that goes into it, especially yep. the later you get into this game. Sure. Uh, when you take out that second disc and, <laughs> and put it in, because this is a two disc game. It's a beefy one. Yep. Yeah. It, it is a little bit deeper than a, the Pokemon games nowadays have become a little bit more fleshed out. Than sure. It used to be, it used to be one-on-one. You have, like you said, four attacks and that's it. Uh, yeah, I can definitely see how this one, it is like it is a good kind of bridge from playing Pokemon. We're now getting into Lord of the Rings, so this is an RPG that is something that you can relate to, yeah. and it's going to carry you into the more uh, harder core RPGs, I guess that we'll say, like The Witcher, yeah. um, like Dark Souls to a point. I guess Dark Souls could be considered an RPG, yeah, has RPG elements, yeah, for, for oh, yeah. sure. Uh, what I would like to see though in these types of active battle games, if I could, uh, these turn-based games, I really love when. Like, you, you pick your attack, you press A to confirm it. I like it when you have to do something else yeah. to make it more powerful or even, like, you might miss. Like, I, I think of um, the South Park games, the Stick of Truth and the Fractured Butthole. Uh, you, like, you press A or even Paper Mario. Like, you, you pick your attack and then you have to, like, press B at a certain time or press A twice, like, to a rhythm or something. Yes. And then it attacks or you miss or it does a lighter attack. I love that. This one is just pick your attack and then... Like, I hate it when you pick your attack and then, like, your character just misses. <laughs> I know. And, and that's always... That, I mean, that's just an element of RPGs. Like, a, this kind of style game, right? And it's... It sucks yeah. <laughs> when you miss, right? It, it, it's, a, it's like, oh, man, but, like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I know. Like, you didn't do anything... To, I know that you can increase your stats to, to increase your accuracy, yeah. which, which is what you can do to alleviate that. But that's kind of the only real thing that I can think of to improve yeah. the game. Other than, like you said, eliminating the, the animations of attacks do get annoying. I like in... Uh, more current RPGs, they've taken that away. Where like when you pick your 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 sword attack, it just it just does the damage to yep. the, the enemy, and then you move on to your you pick your next one, and that's it. Uh, the win animations as well. Like when you finally win a battle, you have to watch the character do a little soul caliber move. Basically, yeah, yeah, is what yeah. I think of it as like a little win animation. 
Um, but yeah, the, the world itself is 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 very robust. The cutscenes, mm-hmm. uh, there are so many cutscenes in from this. The movies. From the yeah, and well, like and and the way that they animated them was really good. Like for the time, it, yeah. they did a great job. And like you could, I think I went on YouTube the other day to look at like Lord of the Rings Third Age movie. Like there's basically yeah. a movie of this. It's, <laughs> it's like game. it's like two hours of just yeah. cutscenes. Yeah, it's a huge game. Like you said, it's on two discs. This is one of the few GameCube games we haven't talked about one since Resident Evil Four that did that. Like I actually yeah. put the second disc in when I went to go play this game, which is funny, but. Uh, I, I I feel like Lord of the Rings has to be long. Yeah, pretty much everything that like to be good to be great, like it has to be a long film. It has to be a long book. And that's completely different from the last two things we talked about: Two Towers and Return of the King. Quite short games, mm-hmm. you know, coming in at, at eight hours completion. I think for for both. For, for like, both, yeah. Like if you want to, like literally both games, <laughs> eight hours. I actually have a funny story about me playing this game for the first time. Uh, sure. Oh, got, third yeah, age. The third age. Yeah. yeah. The first time I played this game when I was a kid, I. Uh, for Christmas, I got this game. It was oh. uh, kind of neat. I got this from my aunt and uncle. They, um, I just remember specifically this Christmas, we got my cousin 1080 Avalanche. Okay. And I got the Third Age. That that was the game. Those were the Same games. games. Very similar, <laughs> very similar audience that they're trying to capture. For some reason, my cousin wanted 1080. Well, not for some reason. My cousin wanted 1080 Avalanche. It's a great game. And I, I don't know what, I was going to say possessed. I don't know what convinced my aunt and uncle to get me a Lord of the Rings game because, like I said, I wasn't seeing these movies in theaters. I wasn't reading the books. I'm sure that I like. I I actually really liked sword fighting. Like these games and movies really got us into like how Star Wars. Every, every kid plays lightsabers. Me and uh, our childhood friend Cal, uh, we we used to have sword fights based on Lord of the Rings. We would reenact moments from the movies. Um, so I don't know why my aunt thought Neil would love a Lord of the Rings game, and I wasn't playing RPGs at the time no. either. But uh, my cousin got this game for Christmas, I believe, and I think that that's why for his mm-hmm. birthday, and. She was really impressed with, because she loves Lord of the Rings and the movies, she was just impressed with the game's graphics at yeah. the time. She's like, the graphics are incredible. The um, best they're ever going to be. Never going to get better than this. It doesn't age super well, to be honest. But I think that she was really just talking about the cutscenes. Yes. And, and, and the battles do look really good, especially like, it's hard to watch it now on a modern day HD TV, but on a CRT TV, she was right. Like, it, it does look really yeah. good. And the game uses uh, THX audio. So like the, uh, what does that stand for? I'm trying to you got it so it's like a theater experience the game is it is very the much sound a, is really good it's a very cinematic film uh so yeah i got this game the third age for for christmas that year and i don't remember playing it for that long like i don't think i've i don't think i've beaten this game played it for a couple of hours and i i couldn't get into i didn't really understand rpgs i was really into the licensed games like spider-man and spongebob which are all very uh they're all action adventure they're all 3d platforming games yeah. i wasn't used to a game like this where i had to kind of adjust stats and everything so believe it or not i actually traded this game in at some point probably when i was in high school or something yeah or just selling off my, my games to for some reason but i did rebuy this game recently a couple months ago i went uh, to ams i went to anc games here in toronto and i found a copy of it in okay shape for 25 bucks 30 bucks something nice. like so a little more expensive than what i said at the beginning there but i i love i love the game uh, i was playing it this week i, I want to get around to beating it at some point one thing that we need to talk about, though, is the box art. The box art is beautiful. Uh, it's really nice. Yeah. It's like, it's clean. Uh, EA has their classic swoop in the bottom. So, you know, that's an sure. EA Games. Uh, they have one of my favorite things on the box here is the little holographic official product of Lord of the Rings movie trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, which they had. And if, as you go back and forth, it's the ring. 
moving back and forth, which is kind of cool. Um, and I, I remember as a kid being like, whoa, that's cool. And the giant monster on the front, too. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of fire. You think about that scene from the Fellowship of the Ring in the cave. At the end, yeah, the yeah, end scene, yep. Uh, yeah, and Gandalf is on the front, too. Characters that you look like characters from uh, the Fellowship of the Ring are there, but they're not. Um, it's a really cool box art. I would love that, like, on a poster or something. That'd be really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it kind of is, like, the unofficial fourth movie before it, The Hobbit. Yeah, no, honestly, it really is. Like, they did... Uh, they did a fantastic job with it, and um, I think I'd like to read the back of the case here, Neil, because I have it. You're holding the case right there, Mike, so I'll let you cover that one before we move on to The Hobbit. One RPG to rule them all. Ah. Battle alongside members of the Fellowship in an adventure spanning all three films in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, and there's a bunch of little uh, things here, Journey Through Middle-Earth, with six new playable characters from the movies. Um, customize your heroes with an in-depth skill tree, all new turn-based combat, adventure with friends, and cooperative multiplayer mode, which we didn't even talk about, yeah. which you can do, yeah, which I did with my uh, with my friend. We would go through this game together, which I think this game is honestly best when you do uh, do it together, just because you can t- kind of talk about strategy of the battles mm-hmm. and, like, what to do. And because I remember us arguing about some of this, <laughs> about how to approach some of these bosses, because it's it's also a relatively hard game. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. like that's because uh, you you get lost a bit too. The maps are very expansive, so there's a lot of if you're playing it with someone else, it's actually a lot of fun because mm-hmm. we're really exploring together. Um, and uh, uh, also, you can wreak havoc as the Balrog, a minion of Sauron, or other enemies in an expansive mini game. Yeah, that's the evil mode, I think. We didn't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, evil mode. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. extra mode in the game there that I actually haven't played before. Neither I, have I. I really want to. I think maybe we should do that uh, after we're done this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is when we should do it, after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it on Twitch someday or something. But yeah, there is like an extra little mode in there too. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of revisionist history about this game. Like, yes. At the time that it came out, if you check reviews from back in the day, it got very average. Like I said, 7.5 out of 10 on average, uh, criticized for just being the story not being super interesting, the characters not being very interesting, the gameplay being all right. This game was compared a lot to Final Fantasy X, yeah. which was the RPG of that generation, which is too bad. But if you check out reviews now and like top 10 Lord of the Rings list, this game is up there for a lot of top 10 games. This game is almost always like number two. Yeah. Like, like right Shadow Mordor. Yeah, yeah. This game is is definitely getting some revisionist history. I think because people are realizing for the time that this mm-hmm. came out, this was incredible. Yeah, like what they did was really incredible, and I, 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 you know, I gotta give them so much credit for for what they were able to do. Because again, Neil, this is two thousand four. This is, you know, just a year after the movies. Yeah, just a year after Return of the King. Mm-hmm. Like they they were able to make another game, an RPG, an RPG, a, a massive yeah. original RPG. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of. Uh, a studio working on the movie tie-ins like like what EA has done with the Two Towers and even like what EA did with James Bond making movie tie-in games. I like the idea of whoever owns the license to that IP to give that developer uh, the option of making an original game. Yeah. Like we, we talk we talk a lot about the third age today. Uh, like just think of Nightfire. Like one of the best games of, of, of on the GameCube in our opinion is not based on a Bond film. It's just a game that EA wanted to make. Like imagine if Activision got to make a Spider-Man game not based on a film, and like we did get, we did, we did get Ultimate, Ultimate Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That's, right. that, that, that's why that's I kind of considered Lord of the Rings: The Third Age to be the, the Ultimate the Spider-Man, Spider-Man, the Nightfire. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the same idea where they were, they took the world mm-hmm. and they put their own spin on it, and and took a different and also used a completely different element uh, RPG style yeah. to make a a very unique game in a in a genre that frankly is very oversaturated. Yeah, and like that's. 
big props. Yeah, big props. They completely <laughs> changed the genre. Like, imagine if they made, like, Everything or Nothing, uh, The World is Not Enough, uh, and then they went out and made, like, a Bond RPG or something. Like, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. They just completely changed the genre. But I love that idea of giving a studio the chance to make movie tie-ins and then run with the franchise, make your own yeah. original story. Uh, tie it in with the movies a little bit if you want to, but try and make something completely fresh. Because this uh, is this was EA Redwood Shores, yeah, who had just developed Return of the King. Exactly, I can't get over that. I can't get over the fact that this was probably made in like a year and a half. Probably, and it did do commercially quite well. It sold yes. just over a million copies by the end of '04, which is pretty good. For yes, a, for a, a non-movie tie-in game based on Lord of the Rings in 2004. Yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm very happy we were able to give this game a lot of love today because I really like this game and I. Uh, lately I've been hearing a lot more people talk about it Good. but I think like 10 years ago mm-hmm. I didn't hear anyone talking about it and I yeah. was like I like uh, I like Lord of the Rings I like the third age game <laughs> <laughs> that one kid at the party huh? yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll have to give this game a highlight now more and more on uh, the Facebook groups and whatnot but a game that we're not going to give a highlight too much for Mike is <laughs> The Hobbit well uh, yeah so, you, you go ahead Neil alright The Hobbit was released on November 11th 2003 it's developed by Inevitable Games. I like to think that that's Thanos' studio. <laughs> the game is published by Sierra Entertainment. It's also on Game Boy Advance, Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 2, and Xbox. This game rates a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, it's priced today at around $25. But if the game comes with the Smaug card, which is the little card that it says on the cover, little trading card included, uh, it's more like 50 bucks. Your copy does not have the smart card. I know, I'm very upset. The smart card is not in here. And the genre of this game would be considered an action-adventure game, very loosely tied to a game like The Ocarina of Time or Mario 64. So let's just talk about the cover to start here. Great. Uh, because, so this was the era, sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> where where uh, people thought it was a good idea to have a CGI um, element on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, it is CGI Bilbo Baggins, who looks like he's 13 years old. And um, Eyebrows, the size of Texas. Yeah, <laughs> and it's interesting on here, of course, we have our free uh, collectible Hobbit trading card inside, but we also have a little thing on the bottom. Not, not holographic like the Lord of the Rings official movie trilogy, mm-hmm. but on this one we have official game based on the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, so I thought that was that was interesting that that has to be on there too. Uh, definitely part of their contract with uh, New Line Cinema and Tolkien. Yeah. Um, but yes, I just want to go talk about how this cover, is, every time I see it, just made me never, ever want to pick it up. It gets worse. Because, <laughs> As you look at it, it gets worse. It does. It just, it, it, like, because then you look at the Lord of the Rings, the third age, which yeah. everyone clearly can see right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, it's just such a, brooding cover with the fire everywhere and you you're like yes this is lord of the rings this Mm -hmm. is i know exactly how i'm feeling right now looking at this Mm -hmm. i uh i just want to you know play this right now i want to get into this action Mm -hmm. and then you see the hobbit and this it's this dark dreary uh you know with a smog looks okay smog looks okay but he's you can barely see him barely see him he's not even part of it really i mean you have gandalf looking I'm like a dweeb. And and so the issue with this and the issue with this whole game and the, the Sierra games is the fact that they, of course, couldn't take the character models. Right. They couldn't use uh, Viggo Mortensen. They couldn't use uh, Ian McKellen. Like, or Elijah Wood or yeah, Sean Astin. Exa- so, you know, that automatically takes you out of it. Yeah. Uh, because of, if you're playing the Hobbit game, you, of course, have watched the movies. Mm-hmm. 
You've watched Lord of the Rings. You've watched the movies and you've watched, watched Lord of the Rings and you're like me. You've been reenacting sword fights and <laughs> made bow and arrows out of sticks and rubber bands, which, yes, I did. You made shields at school and got in trouble for it, which, yes, I did. Uh, and then this game lets you take control of a character that we really didn't know all that much because he wasn't in the films. This is based on The Hobbit. Yes. The book, which if you haven't read at that time... Uh, you wouldn't know who, who this character is. Well, it's you, Bilbo. Yeah, well, I mean, you would have known Bil- Bilbo's in the... He is. He's in, like, the first scene of, of the film yeah. and the end, I suppose, as yeah. well. But your your choice of weapons here is a stick, rocks, sting, the little dagger, yeah. and eventually the ring to turn invisible. You don't get to have those massive sword fights, uh, you know, on the... I'm not even going to try and mention the, the locations from Lord of the Rings because I'm just going to get it wrong. Sure. But it does take, like, the cinematic experience of the Two Towers and the Return of the King and the Third Age and just cuts it down to this little chibi game that looks like it's in the Skylanders universe. Now, I get I get it. This game is for a younger gamer. I think that this game is for kids under the age of 8 to get them in, to get them into a series like, you know, they see their older brother like I did. They see their uncle playing Lord of the Rings games, going to see Lord of the Rings. They want their what they can do sure. and this is what they can have. Yeah, but see, I would argue that this audience doesn't really exist. And I mean, the sales, I'm sure the sales for this uh, also argue that because if I'm a kid, I'm not interested in this anyways. No. Uh, like you know, if I'm that young and, and you know, I don't want to get the, the kid version of what my brother is playing. I want to, I, I want to, I, I, because as a kid, I would rather, I liked watching what the older kids were playing. I yeah. not, I didn't necessarily want to play the games. Mm. But I liked watching them. Yeah. This is where Twitch came from, really. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's yeah. the idea. It's like I like. I want to see what you're doing. Yeah, okay. And um, uh, what's her name? Toonie Twirls, mm-hmm. uh, our very Instagram account. She uh, talked about how she would watch her dad play Resident Evil. Sure. Right. And it's like I don't. I don't need a chibi version of Resident mm-hmm. Evil. Okay. Right. But now this is a game that you can leave your kid alone with, at least. Like, and if you just want them to play, like you know, you're at work, you're doing yeah. something else. Like your kid can play this without having to watch you. I get it. Like, it's kind of like how, like, you know, every kid had apple juice and their dad would tell them it was beer. You know, like, it, it's kind of like that situation. But see, but I, but then I, I just think of, like, a, a, a version of this, like, if a, a Resident Evil clone, like, if, if this existed as Resident Evil, mm. you know, try oh, and think God. of it like that, right? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I can imagine that. Like, like, a little chippy version of Resident Evil, that would not go over super well. No! This game reminds me a lot of a game we talked about around Halloween. This game reminds me of Castleine. This, that was exactly what I was thinking, y'all. I, I, I... I the, the moment I saw it, I was like, this looks like Castleween. And um, uh, Neil was nice enough to get this for me. I'm very sorry about that, by the way. <laughs> he was nice enough to get me this because, you know, eventually I'm going to have to... I'll have to get all the games for GameCube at one point in my life. You might. I might. And now I have The Hobbit. So I'm very thankful to have actually played it. Because I do like, you know, I honestly do try and play a lot of the games that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we can have a, a, an honest opinion about them and, and look at them in an objective point of view. But uh, this game, playing it was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, it was... Good. I don't, well, I don't know if I'd say good. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as okay. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay, I, I, okay, I wouldn't yeah, go farther than okay. That's fine. Yeah. This yeah. game is a, a It's a game. solid six. Yeah, that's that's for sure. One standout thing about the game is that the music is really nice. Well, so you were you were telling me. Uh, I'm glad that I was uh, educated by you when you when you got it for me, because no uh, you were saying how how good the music and mm-hmm. uh, how good the music is in it, and how they have what you say like a, like a hundred different tracks or something. Yeah, the game includes more than 210 musical cues yeah. spanning over the six chapters. Like they made. What's my math here? Six to the two ten. What is that like? Uh, to, to, to the four, like thirty, thirty to forty cues per 
Yeah, thirty to forty cues per scene or per chapter. That that's incredible. Like that's a that's over. They knew the assignment. They knew the assignment. Oh, like they they killed it in that regard. And it's because like Lord of the Rings has such memorable music, mm-hmm. and Lord of the Rings has still has the Guinness World Book of Records for having the most musical cues and musical motifs yeah. per character. Uh, I believe there's over a hundred. Yeah. Uh, in in the in the movies, mm-hmm. and so they, like you said, got the assignment for sure. They're like, you know what, music is a huge part of this environment. Mm-hmm. We we can't take the environment from the movies, so we'll have to try and recreate it through music. And they did the absolute best that they could. They definitely did. Have to give a huge shout out to the composer Rob Abernethy, um, Dave Adams, Jason Graves. Uh, recorded uh, in Seattle. Uh, the acoustic music was recorded uh, with uh, Celtic musicians awesome. uh, in North Carolina. Uh, they they wanted to have like simple melodic tones for like when you're you're just exploring as um, when you're just exploring as Bilbo uh, like fiddles and wood flutes and bagpipes, and then it gets into the more like orchest- orchestral yeah. parts of the battle scenes and everything. And that's just an impossible job. It's yeah. absolutely an impossible. It's it's the equivalent of making a Star Wars uh, game immediately after the movies come out with John Williams' score and then being like, uh, could you make your own score now? <laughs> now you go. <laughs> now you they, go. They were given the budget to make 75 minutes of original music, uh, which was divided into the two categories. And you, you say creating the movie, you say creating the game just after uh, the movies come out. This game actually came out two weeks before Return of the King. That's a came. bad timing. Why would you do that? Timing with uh, Lord of the Rings was on everybody's tongue. Like, uh, but, but wouldn't you want to put it out? Like, I feel like this, I, I feel the move for Sierra here would have been to try and do this for 2004 or maybe spring of, of 2004, like a couple months later. Just remove it from the movies. Like, have it come out way later. Honestly, if they just waited eight years, they could have had it come out with the Hobbit yeah, I know, right? This yeah. has no tie to those <laughs> movies, obviously. No, yeah. And so, like, that's a, a, a an issue there. And I think, you know, the from the moment I saw this, I just think Ocarina. Yeah. This this game, if 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 you're wondering what this game is, it's Ocarina of Time. It's it's Zelda in in every regard. Uh, not as uh, polished or good uh, by any means, but it's you know the same idea. There's things that look identical to rupees. <laughs> yeah, straight up gems in the game, which also gave me kind of Spyro vibes too. Yep, yeah, a big Spyro vibe. It is a huge collectathon. Like mm. when you start this game. Uh, you, you're given like 10 different tasks. In the first five minutes, every single NPC that you meet in the little uh, Shire gives you a task to do. And uh, they don't sound like fun. Like it's literally no. like, you know, collect a hammer, collect this chicken, I'm missing my brother. And you're also, you just had a dream about going to war, which it seems like all of a sudden you want to do. So it's a little bit confusing. They did have to flesh out the book a little bit for this game. There are scenes in the uh, in the game that are out of the book completely, which is fine. I mean, if you're a kid, six or eight years old you probably haven't read the hobbit which yeah, is fine yeah no I, and it just you know for me it's just really hard to play and watch this game after third age because i think of the setting i think of of how they were able to recreate this world uh really with with nothing and then we have the hobbit just here being a game mm-hmm. and just trying to basically just say so, some executive saw ocarina and was like that yeah we want but somehow this game looks worse so this is a 2003 game. So five years later, yep, uh, than Ocarina, and it looks uh, just objectively worse. Yeah, this game does look worse than an N64 game, which is sad, <laughs> yeah. sad, sad, sad to see. I would have preferred it if they just kept these Vivendi uh, games, Sierra games, off of consoles and made it only the PC games. Like this looks like something that you'd see in your school library on the computer, downloaded for some reason, or 
a game that you might get in a cereal box or like a Scholastic book order game. No offense. <laughs> this is a Scholastic book order this game. This is a Scholastic book order video game. Like, no offense. This is not a game that we need to see on shelves. Like, this is just like shovelware that like, I, yeah. I'm, I'm all for, you know, everybody having the freedom to, to be creative and whatnot. But like, I, I do think that game consoles are oversaturated with games. Like, I well, mean, the creativity here is like, there is almost none. Almost none. Like outside of the music and like yeah. taking the Hobbit and making it a little bit more fleshed out is something I suppose, but just for video games, like this is just not a showcase of why we love this art. No. <laughs> and, and just, I think the, the character models and everything really throw me off. Oh God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like the NPCs are terrifying. Like, their <laughs> mouths don't go anywhere. Their, their mouth, like the, they don't line up with what they're saying. And, and again, we could, we could argue that it's because it's a 2003 game. It's old, you know, it's, it's, it's 19 years old, but it's better voice acting in 2003. But then we have these other games. Yeah. We have two towers. We have return of the King. We have, uh, we have, um, uh, we have, we have Third Age, and Third Age, because you could argue with the other two and say, well, they took those character models from the movies, so, you know, it, it was it was easier for them. Well, Third Age has brand new character models yes. that they make for these characters that look very vivid, and, and you feel, they, they feel living. Mm-hmm. Their characters feel alive. This feels, I don't know what this feels like. This doesn't feel like a living, breathing <laughs> world at all. No. Yeah, I think that we obviously come to our uh, our final decision on which games are the standouts of the Lord of the Rings. So I think we should read the back of the case for The Hobbit and uh, and close out the episode. Mike, what do you say? Let's do it. And I have the back of the case right here. So. It's your game. I will <laughs> let you do the honors while I queue up our closing segments. Lead the quest that started it all. Long ago, the lonely mountain trembled as the dragon Smaug destroyed the dwarf kingdom in fire and rage. When the dwarves set out to reclaim the stolen treasure hoard, I, Gandalf the wizard, oh my god, this is, wait, why is this in first person? (laughs) I, Gandalf the wizard, sent with them the most unlikely of heroes, Nobo Baggins of the Shire. But even I could not foresee how this choice would rule the fate of Middle-earth. Why is this first person? There is no... Where... The story is meant to be told by Gandalf, I think. It is... Until Gandalf is no longer in the game. It is, but but there's not a picture of Gandalf on the back of the case. Mm. Other, there is. Well, this, other than the small encounter legendary characters. So now I'm going to talk about myself. Meet legendary characters, including Gandalf and Smaug. It's funny how the characters don't resemble the likeness from the movie at all, except Gandalf. He looks exactly like Ian McKellen from the... From the, uh, from yeah, the movie. yeah, Gollum looks especially interesting. After just you just picture Andy Serkis's Gollum. We haven't even talked about Andy Serkis's performance as Gollum. Need to give a shout out for that, obviously. Of course. I don't know what's going on here with this guy. He looks like a a gargoyle with no wings. He looks. I was gonna say he looks like the gargoyle from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. I don't know how to describe him. He's not how you picture. Like he doesn't look like a hobbit or anything. He doesn't look human at all. I, I don't know. I'm trying to picture what they, how they described Gollum in the Hobbit novel, but it wasn't just that. Like, just like decrepit almost is usually what he used. But uh, there's a bunch of other little things here. Explore Middle Earth. Uh, engage in hair-raising combat. Nope. Uh, wield the power of the ring. The, one of the, probably the coolest uh, aspects of this game is the fact that you can actually wear the, the ring and use it to your advantage. Something that you never really see that often in the trilogy, other than small points where... Frodo is just, you know, using it to hide from people. Mm-hmm. And you can use it as Bilbo to uh, walk around people and become invisible. It would be really neat to have a game where, I'm sure that already exists, but it, re- it would be really fun to play a game. I would like to play one where uh, you have the ring and, like, you're just an almighty god, basically. That would be sick. That'd be very fun. Uh, not one on the GameCube, but uh, maybe uh, the game's coming out on PS5. We'll, uh, we'll have something to do with that. Maybe. 
Maybe. So, uh, that was a fun talk on Lord of the Rings, Mike, but uh, it's time to close out the episode, unfortunately. So, from the list of games that we talked about today, we talked about quite a few. Uh, are there any games that you suggest that the listeners pick up? I think Third Age is the best bang for your buck. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, usually about 20 bucks, uh, and it is a long a long game but not too long longish yeah, yeah. Long, longish it gives you uh again bang for your buckets gives you a lot of content a lot of original content if you're a big fan of lord of the rings uh and the world of middle earth then you will really really enjoy third age because they do go into a lot of a lot of lore and yeah. a lot of you know it's it's just a, a really fully fleshed out world I, of course uh two towers and return of the king are also great pickups like yeah. They're Return just, of the King ahead of Two Towers, I think. I, yeah, I think so too. I think really the move is to get both. Yeah. Like if you're if you're gonna get one, you should probably get the other. Odds are, if you can find one game at the retro video game <laughs> store, they have the other one. They, exactly. I, I I haven't seen them too much recently, but they're they're they are relatively cheap. But um, yeah, for me, Third Age is my favorite, so I gotta I gotta recommend that. Definitely, Third Age is uh is the right choice. Um, but you're not wrong picking Two Towers or Return of the King. No, they're just different. Like it's, you're comparing very different games. Yeah. Um, like one's a third person hack and slash game, one's an RPG. Yeah. So. Uh, but I do want to stress that if you're not a huge fan of RPGs, uh, definitely pick up uh, Third Age as a starting point and to absolutely avoid The Hobbit at all costs. <laughs> uh, unless you're just a collector looking to complete your game's like collection, me. like Mike, like myself, like a lot of folks out there who are looking for a complete North American collection, you'll have to buy it eventually. Uh, don't expect to get a ton of entertainment out of it unless you're playing it for the jokes uh, or if you're drunk or something. That's <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, um, Mike, what do we want to see from Lord of the Rings games going forward? We, uh, we obviously have a few coming, but, yeah. uh, is there anything in particular that you'd like to see? I think just the freedom. I think just having freedom to do things like you said, Neil, having the ring mm-hmm. and being, like, all-powerful for a bit. Uh, obviously, maybe that would, like, drain your life force or something. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then, and then being different characters. And so, I didn't even know about the Gollum game until this week, until I was doing research. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that, I was like... Damn it! That's what I was gonna say for my my end thing. Ah, I was like, Gollum. I was gonna say, I want to be Gollum. I want to be someone else. I want to have these different stories, and uh, it's something that I've wanted from a lot of different games over the years. I wanted that from Star Wars. I would love a Boba Fett game. Uh, just characters that aren't um, aren't completely in the spotlight, but are mm-hmm. still important to the story and yeah. are just interesting and fun in that in that world. And I'm so glad that Gollum is getting his own game mm-hmm. because that is pretty rare in today's. Yeah. Time when everything is supposed to be like a crossover event. It feels a little too late, to be honest. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There there are games like that that are always in the works, but then they never come out. Yes. Like for about 10 years now, there's been a Darth Maul game that's been rumored never, <laughs> yeah. never coming out. But it, was just, it would be very neat. I love yeah. the idea of side characters. I, too, would like to see a Lord of the Rings open world RPG like the Third Age, but more of The Witcher, where you can go anywhere travel to different worlds um i think that that's the obvious choice i really did think in my mind that the third age was an open world game but going back to it it's like oh wow this is very linear it's so. li- it's linear but it makes it feel like it's open world yeah which i think is a, a really important aspect to a lot of these games and something that i like i like having the freedom but actually kind of like not really having the freedom if you know what i mean yeah. like you 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 can explore places but at the end of the day you're going this way yeah uh but i would also personally love to see a third age remake Ooh, okay. uh i i know that knights of the old republic which we've talked about uh, many times already uh, somehow yeah. a lot <laughs> uh knights of the old republic is getting a remake mm-hmm. not sure how i feel about that okay uh it'll be interesting you know i'll, I'll save my judgment until it comes out sure. but i think 
Third Age could have potential to be an amazing remake. Mm-hmm. Especially if, like you said, you do it in a Witcher style, which it already basically is. You just kind of fix some of the combat. Um, it, you can even maybe have some... You could you can keep the uh, the RPG elements, but you could maybe have some... What was the one? The active the active time battle? And yeah, the make stuff it a there? little bit more active. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what to what else to call it. I guess a bit more interactive, if yeah, you will. Yeah. Like adding that Paper Mario style gameplay where you have to... There are games like that already. I just can't find them uh, and I don't look for them. But uh, yeah, adding something like that to the combat would be nice. I don't love the idea of just picking an attack and waiting for them to do it. Because, of course, like, you know, we're getting, like, Lord of the Rings, yeah, the two games that we're getting. Mm-hmm. We're also getting the, the series that's coming to Amazon Prime, I believe. We're getting a lot. Uh, and so Lord of the Rings is back yeah. uh, in a big way. So after, like, 20 years of relative dormancy, dormancy yeah, yeah. I mean, The Hobbit is, is different than Lord of the Rings. Yes, that's true. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't count that as a Lord, like, that, that part of the universe. Okay. And just before we close out the episode, Mike, I do have one question for you. What's yes. your favorite Lord of the Rings movie? I mean, I said it a little bit at the beginning uh, uh, about how Fellowship is probably my favorite nostalgic one, and okay. uh, and uh, Return of the King is probably the best movie. So, but if you're asking just purely favorite movie, mm-hmm. then I think it's Fellowship. Fellowship, okay, cool. I'm a Two Towers fan, maybe okay. because of the final fight. I love the final that. fight is is really epic. It's a really neat battle. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah the the, um, the nostalgia around Fellowship, the Ring is strong, and favorite book between the two of us is going to be The Hobbit, right? Of course, great. Cool. So, Mike, while we're reading The Hobbit and watching The Fellowship of the Ring, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 78 of the GameCuber School podcast. On episode 78, I'm sad that we're ending Lord of the Rings, but uh, no. we'll have to move on. <laughs> Damn it. This is not becoming a Lord of the Rings of School podcast. Oh, soon. Nope. <laughs> on episode 78, we're not talking about Lord of the Rings, the movies, but we are talking about movie tie-ins and we talked about some great ones here, and we're going to talk about some not-so-great ones on this one. But we are going to center it a lot around The Matrix, because The Matrix, the new movie of The Matrix is coming out uh, this month. And uh, Enter The Matrix was a game developed for the GameCube, which is kind of a bit of a, I guess you could call it a, a third age of yeah. uh, of The Matrix series. It reviewed okay, and uh, I actually bought the game, so I'm going to be playing it, and uh, I'll let everybody know how it is. It's also a two-disc game. Ooh, a bulky one. Looking forward to that. We did a movie tie-in episode last year. Uh, We like to try and bundle all these games together because there's not really enough meat on them to cover them in an entire episode. So if you haven't already, go back and check that one out. I forget which numbered episode it is, but it is... 29. Episode 29. Exactly one year ago, we did something like this, so uh, looking forward to doing it again. Movie tie-ins were hit and miss, but uh, it's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 77 of the GameCube School podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are at the GameCube was cool. Then you can follow us for free on Instagram. We are at the GameCube pod. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Vigo Mortensen, Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Vigo Mortensen is a very handsome man. Oh, he's a man's man. Yeah.